All right, welcome to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on News 95.7. Pretty exciting stuff, eh, Clinton Wilkins? Where else would you want to be on the weekend, honestly, than here with us, Saturday and Sunday? I know. It's just, it's just almost too good to be true, actually. I mean, I'm glad to be back. You know, I feel even though it's still summer, I feel like we're ready to get into a little bit of fall now. Why do you say that? I just think, you know, we may be in a situation that, you know, we had a pretty decent summer, but I think everyone's curious to see kind of what uh, is going to happen in the fall, you know, especially with stage five reopening and all of these good things. So, you know, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about kind of what's going on. And I think we had a pretty good summer all in all. Um, And, you know, let's get back to business, I think. Yeah, the market's been dynamite the way. The the market really has been dynamite. And I mean, there's more and more listings going up every day. So that's positive. I think that's great news for anybody who's looking to buy a home. Certainly more inventory. And I think kind of these days of the 20 offers on a property, I think may not be a you know, never coming back, but I definitely feel the peak of that's a, over. I think the, the, there's certainly less action. Why do you say that? Oh, there is less action. And I think there's less action yeah. because, um, you know, with more inventory, it's going to start balancing the market. Yeah. It cer- certainly still is a seller's market. Don't get me wrong, Todd, mm-hmm. but I feel like buyers are certainly in a better situation today than they were maybe. A couple of months. How ago. much better? Ten percent better? Fifteen percent better? Price point? Yeah. Put a. Put I a think the price point's the same. When the, oh, they're, so they're just better. But I because feel like more they inventory. can achieve getting. Yeah, I, I feel see. like they can achieve getting a purchase agreement together. Okay, so me to me that doesn't make any sense. If there's more inventory, then you would think the prices would be lower. Would they well, not? I still think that if a home is priced fairly and it's in decent condition, it's going to sell. It might sell still significantly over asking, but I think there's maybe less offers. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a realtor. I'm not a licensed real estate professional. You know, they're licensed in the province of Nova Scotia. And they would be probably the best to speak to that. I'm just speaking, you know, really from my outside kind of looking into the yeah. scenario. And I mean, we're dealing with purchase agreements every single day. Yeah, you're putting these deals together. You work closely with realtors. Yeah, we certainly, certainly yeah. do. So I think it's certainly interesting times. And I'm excited to talk, you know, to you for the next hour, really about the real estate market. And obviously, you know, many people want to fall into home ownership. It falls literally right around the corner. Yes. And what better time than right now, especially to be. You into, say that all the time. But specifically now, <laughs> I think if homes haven't sold and maybe they've been sitting yeah, longer no, than sure. a week, a couple of weeks, I think yeah. that vendors are getting, and vendors I mean by sellers, they're getting more motivated to maybe put a deal together. And I think buyers, if you're going to buy a home, you can be into a new property before the holidays. All right. So we're going to talk about a few things as we always do. And who knows where the show will go. We, we kind of mix things I up. I think it's kind of organic. That's I right. It's that's organic. Cool. I throw curveballs at you. That's I what mean, I do. It's, it's all right. Of, you can put me on the hot seat. I don't mind doing that at all. So, but first time home buyers, pre-approvals, this is essential, integral information, right? We're going to discuss mm-hmm. that. I don't know what the new physician's program is. I've never heard of that. So I'm assuming you do. I'm certainly an expert at new physicians. We deal with physicians every day. Yeah, we got Dalhousie University right here. Which is right? great. And I can tell you, we deal with probably more new physicians now than we have before. And you know why I'm motivated to deal with new physicians? Because they have money? Well, I mean, that doesn't hurt, <laughs> obviously. But we're motivated to help them build roots and stay in the community. Yeah, no, absolutely. 100%. I'm only teasing. 
First time home buyers uh, pre-approval, uh, we're going to do that again, I guess, in, in, in our segment three. And fall into home ownership, as you talked about, market updates, mortgage rates. Uh, and we've got the Bank of Canada adjusted or didn't adjust its mortgage rate. We can talk about that as well today. Yeah, I think it's certainly important, and I think it's something to touch on for sure. It's kind of an ongoing wait-and-see type situation, but we'll certainly okay, get into well the Okay, well, let's, let's talk some in-the-news stuff first. All right, so we're going to talk about uh, what's happening with the Bank of Canada and, and just like months and months now, no no change, right, to the key interest rate. No change, and, you know, some economists are saying that it could be years before we see a change. And by years, I mean two, three, four, five years. Some economists are saying that we could see changes maybe as much as 50 basis points, so that's half a percent, um, by Q4 of next year. So, you know, we're still a year and a bit before we may even see any changes based on, you know, what some economists are saying. A lot really has to do with what happens with inflation. Mm -hmm. We don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. We don't know if there's really going to be a fourth wave and, like, what are the implications going to be in Canada? I'm uncertain. You know, I wish I had a crystal ball because likely I uh, would be retired. Mm-hmm. But I don't. And, you know, I think we need to live every day to kind of the fullest. And, you know, some borrowers are saying to me, they're like, well, rates are at all-time lows. No, they've actually been lower. At one time, the prime rate was Mm 2.25. You know, it was 15 years ago, but it was as low as 2.25 before. So currently, with majority of lenders, the prime rate is Mm 2.45. Key overnight rate is 0.25. And, you know, I don't think the Bank of Canada is going to change the rate for quite some time, Todd. There's a lot of rebuilding that needs to happen. And I think some people in, you know, Halifax and obviously Atlantic Canada, we're in a little bit of a micro chasm of an economy. Right. And, you know, some people feel that COVID didn't even happen here. I'm sure if you own a restaurant or a bar or a gym or tourism uh, outfit, and variety of other industries, you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in construction, you're feeling it. And it's not because it wasn't busy. It's because, like, with construction, maybe there was shortage of materials. Maybe there was shortage of labor. You know, there's a bunch of things that obviously could potentially negatively impact your business. Um, but I think overall, aside from some of these key industries, we've done pretty well. And, you know, I think we're going to continue doing well here. Will we continue to see the growth in population? I'm not sure. I think that's a really great question. I think our population grew in Halifax and across Nova Scotia, PEI, New Brunswick, and Newfoundland because it was safe and because we had a relatively normal lifestyle here during the you know the last 18 months. Um, but will people continue to can you know flock out of Ontario like Toronto? No, I don't know. The, the, that that surge is over. This big smoke, you know, everyone like running for the hills, running from their one-bedroom yeah. condos. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, I think those who had the opportunity to do so would have mm-hmm. done so, right? Yeah, I think I mean, there'll be a trickle of it, but I think there's going to be more of a trickle. And you know, I said on the show, um, you know, every third call was from Ontario. Yeah. That has slowed. You know, we're still seeing some of that, but it's not to the extent that we were seeing it before. Yeah. And you know, we're probably. Con- continue to see it for years to come. I love Nova Scotia, don't get me wrong, but I think that we probably saw an artificial spike in the, you know, migration from across the country. Mm-hmm. Is it sustainable? 
Not with our current housing stock, it certainly isn't, yeah. Todd. Like well, that's well, you, that plays into perhaps why you said there's there's more perhaps opportunity for people to purchase now, or get deals done because that one in three call is not happening for much. Yeah, and I think you know that certainly is one uh, point that we need to consider. Um, you know, I think that with all of the you know buyers coming in from Ontario, it probably did negatively impact the. You know, first time home buyers that are here, right. I'm not really worried about you and I because you know what? We have cash and credit and, you know, we have existing homes that we could sell or leverage to maybe continue, you know, buying. Mm-hmm. I'm really concerned for those first time home buyers because obviously with the price increases, you know, first time home buyers can only afford so much. And, you know, we're seeing obviously bigger down payments because obviously you're, they're trying to bring the mortgage amount down. But they need to bring the mortgage amount down to a level that's affordable, that they can afford to make the payments. And they need to be able to qualify with the lenders and, you know, what they need to be able to furnish their homes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think sometimes buyers buy homes at the absolute max of what we can get them approved for. But then what happens if something goes wrong? You know, I certainly see the clients that go and buy the new home and then a couple of months later they're buying a car. Well, that changes your entire financial position. Yeah. You really can't afford yet another bill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my recommendation really to people that are buying homes, don't make any changes for a year. You need to kind of feel it, feel it out. Yeah, feel it out. See where you don't even you don't even know what can go wrong. And, yeah. you know, you need to get a feeling of, you know, what's the actual operating cost of the property? Okay, it's great that maybe if it's a resale property, you can get the tax bill and maybe, you know, the heating costs, power bill, stuff like that. But who knows what it's really going to be for you? Maybe the people that you bought it from were only living there half the time and maybe they had the heat at 12 degrees Celsius. I don't know. Um, But that's why I think you shouldn't make any major changes, at least for the first year. And even when we talk about things like prepayment, I usually tell borrowers to wait at least until the first year before they do anything. Okay, we're going to talk about pre-approval in the next segment if you're okay with that. That sounds great. All right, we're going to talk about pre-approvals right here on Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on News All right, it's Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on News 95.7. That, of course, is the Tragically Hip Music at Work. Classic. And maybe you're not working on the weekend, uh, but uh, maybe you are working on the weekend. Well, the music's working. I mean, we're working. And not to, you know, get anyone uh, mistaken, we're not live today. Uh, this was pre-recorded. Uh, we recorded this on... Uh, good old Thursday night. So, um, you know, what we were working all week, and likely I'm probably still working on the weekend. I'm self-employed. Yes. And, uh, Todd, I know you have a lot of stuff on the go on the weekends and stuff too. So if you're listening to us, thank you. And uh, we're glad to be on the airwaves, and we're glad to be here with you. You got it. All right, let's talk pre-approvals when it comes to first-time home buyers. Why just first-time homeowners for pre-approval? Because everybody, you could be... A, you need a pre-approval no matter what, do you not? Yeah, I think a pre-approval for everybody is a great idea. Yeah. Um, obviously, some borrowers are very confident. They feel like they don't need a pre-approval. 
But a pre-approval is not just a pre-qualification. A pre-approval also really means that we're underwriting the file. We're making sure that we have your income, your assets, and your credit all in there appropriately. Mm -hmm. But the pre-approval also includes a rate hold. So basically, we are keeping uh, you know a rate in place for you. So if the rates do go up, we know based on that pre-approval, the rate is good for 120 days from the date that we submit it. Is that from one in particular lender or how does that work? No, majority of lenders do, will do a rate hold for 120 days. No, but I'm saying you do the rate hold and then you shop it around. Well, we yeah, we do a rate hold with one lender. One lender it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that if when you make an actual purchase, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to go back to that lender. Right. Oftentimes we will, but not 100% of the time. There's a lot of changes in the market, as you can imagine. You know, right. rates change. And maybe the rate that we had on your rate hold isn't as good as what's available today. And maybe you may have to go with somebody else because they may not want the deal that you have proposed. Yeah, that is certainly possible you too. Know, the home, they might not uh, like the house or whatever. They, it might be. Exactly. And maybe the, the borrower situation has changed. And I think that's what really makes mortgage lending unique. I've said it before. It's kind of like a snowflake. We look at income, we look at assets, and we look at credit. And we really drill down on what the best possible scenario is. And that's for the first time home buyer. And that's from a repeat home buyer. It could be someone maybe buying a second home or maybe you're buying a rental property. You know, everybody's situation is different. And I think everybody's situation kind of at, at, at one moment is it's a snapshot in time. We don't know, um, you know, things change from day to day. And that's why I think it's so, so important to basically know exactly where you're gonna be. And we can make a really good plan to be able to forge that forward. Do people need a down payment to get a pre-approval? Like proof well, of a down payment? We don't necessarily verify it, Todd. Yeah. Usually we'll take their word for it. But you certainly do need to provide the proof when you have a real live offer. offer yeah. And that proof could be maybe it's a gift from family. You know, we're talking a lot about gifted down payment. And that's certainly more prevalent than it has been before. And uh, if it's a gifted, gifted from a family, typically there's a form that we would be able to provide the borrower that they would complete with their person who's given the gift. And oftentimes we need confirmation of where the gift came from or confirmation that the, those gifted funds went into that borrower's bank account. So um, that's certainly one thing. If the money's coming from your savings, that's pretty easy. Normally lenders ask for either 30 days or 90 days history that you've had the funds in your account. And don't move the funds around. Keep the funds in one place until we've verified you know, the history. When there's a lot of deposits and a lot of transfers between multiple accounts, it makes it very challenging for us, but it makes it really challenging for you. Like imagine if you had eight accounts, Todd, and you had to provide eight accounts, 90 days history. Right. That would certainly be a lot of paperwork for you yeah. and certainly a lot of paperwork for me. We don't mind doing it, but when you have to verify 90 days history on an account that has $1,000 just to get kind of get to that price point, it certainly can be very sticky and it's certainly a lot of friction for borrowers. How often do deals break down because the down payment is not what was presented? You know what? We request documentation for a down payment You know, on every purchase file. Oftentimes we'll request it up front, maybe when we submit the file for approval, because we know we're going to need it for conditions, right? It would shock you the large deposits in people's accounts. It would shock you the amount of money that just moves around. And I think sometimes it moves around frivolously. Like I'm not really sure why borrowers move it from like a checking to a savings to an investment, back to the savings, back to a checking. But oftentimes across multiple financial institutions. Um, and I basically sometimes need to be a forensic auditor to be able to put the documentation together 
to ensure it's going to be acceptable to the lender. Mm -hmm. No down payment verification, no mortgage. It's really as easy as that. And it's it's all fun for you to say, yeah, I have the down payment or yeah, I, I but we have to prove where it's coming from. Right. And one of the big reasons we have to do that, Todd, is anti-money laundering. We're required by law to verify the funds. And at the end of the day, we're really your advisor, we're your agent, we're your broker. We're basically the gatekeeper between the borrower and the lender. And that's why it's important for us to put all the documentation together because we know what's going to be acceptable and what's not. And we don't bother, we don't come back to people asking for documentation just for the sake of it. We do it to make sure it's going to be smooth and to make sure that it's not going to put your approval in jeopardy. And, you know, sometimes we see things in the bank statements that may negatively impact your approval and maybe we're able to make another recommendation or maybe we'll be able to change the direction with the approval. And uh, we've certainly done that. Lots of questions around cryptocurrency. Yeah, for sure. Is that accepted, by the way? It's not. It's not, no. It's not Canadian funds. Yeah, right. Right? And yeah. we can't prove where it's been. That might change, though, down the road. It Ten might years down the change. Road. It yeah. certainly might change. And, you know, there's certainly more noise in the media about people selling their, their homes and they're only accepting crypto. And, um, you know, it may change. I would say it's similar to if the funds were offshore in another institution. Yeah. The challenge is with crypto, very volatile, and it's really hard to track the history of those funds. Right. And I'm not saying that crypto is impossible to use. I'm not. What I'm saying is that needs to become negotiable Canadian funds and in an account for either 30 days or 90 days before you're really making an offer on a property. So we have the appropriate history. So, you know, if you're planning on buying a house, convert those funds in Canadian. You're going to need it anyway. Right. You know, what are you holding on for another like 30, 60, 90 days? You're only making your situation more challenging. And it's more challenging for you, which means it's more challenging for us, which means it's more challenging for your lender. And we don't want to put your financial transaction at risk because of something so silly about like, why don't you sell your RSP? Yeah. Why don't you sell your investment? Now, don't do it. Obviously, if you're going to move money around, like what I said, don't move any money around until we have done our verification, basically with the exception of crypto, because you need to sell that. Probably the prudent date is 90 days before you're even making an offer on a property. And I would think with investments as well, they're, they're, if it's particularly in a volatile mm. investment mm. and it's you've got a number of a couple of weeks before closure, and you have that in that vehicle, you could lose that money, that, right? 100%. And some lenders actually require us to provide confirmation that you've cashed that RRSP. Even as a first-time home buyer, as part of the home buyer's plan, yeah. you can take up to 35000 each as a first-time home buyer mm -hmm. out of your RRSP. Some lenders require, obviously, the 90 days history that the funds were in the RRSP. But in addition, they require confirmation that those funds went into the bank account. The reason being, Todd, is exactly what you said. Exactly. Volatile. They need to make sure that you still had enough funds in your account to be able to make that withdrawal and that the funds that you're withdrawing were eligible for withdrawal. So, you know, super, super good points here. If we're doing a purchase for you and if one of the conditions is that you need to withdraw that money from your RSP, we as a firm are not giving a firm confirmation of financing until all your conditions have been satisfied. It's in your best interest. 
it's in your the person who's selling you the home the best interest the realtors the lawyers the lenders everybody and we want to make sure that all the conditions have been satisfied because it's really our job to make sure that we're protecting you which is our client so we really want to make sure that we have your best interest at heart all right so uh we've got uh the, the pre-approval we're going to talk about this new physician's program is something that we want to get to because it sounds like it's pretty exciting and pretty essential. Right? Yeah, I think it's super, super exciting. You know, anybody who's in med school or anybody who knows somebody who's in med school or maybe a, a newly graduated, uh, you know, physician that's maybe going to practice, mm -hmm. there's some really cool programs. So we'd love to chat about it here in our next segment. So. Yeah, let's do that. So the new physician's program and some other things is what we'll talk about. It's Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino right here on News 95.7. We'll be right back. Wow, I feel like sitting down and watching Netflix. I heard you're uh, a big fan these days of Grey's Anatomy. A little birdie told me. I absolutely am. Thanks and, to my lovely girlfriend. And you know what? She might even be tuned in and listening to uh, this weekend show. Who knows? Well, we're going to tune in and listen just because of this reference. And you know what? I think even giving her a shout on, uh, on the air is pretty amazing. I met her. So I'm sure some of our loyal listeners are probably very curious. Yes. Um, and I got to meet her, you know, a few weeks ago at an event that I had. So, you know, I thought that was great. Yeah, and, we, had, we uh, had a fantastic time. And thanks for coming, Todd. Yeah. And, you know, really thanks for your support. And, you know, the reason that we're playing this Grey's Anatomy song, for any of you um, listeners that might know the song, or at least know the kind of the first little bit of the song, we're going to talk a little bit about the new physician's program. Absolutely. And welcome back to News 95.7, by the way. Uh, Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on the weekend. So let's talk about the new physician's program. How long has this been around? What are the ins and outs? What can you tell us about it? I think there's been there have been different iterations of programs that have been available probably for years to be honest. Lenders love doctors, you know, they love professionals, um, but they really really love new physicians. Reason being is, new physicians are really at the beginning of their career. Yeah. They don't we don't know necessarily how much they're going to make, but you know we have a bit of a table that we're able to use based on kind of what their specialty is, if they're going to be a general practitioner. And depending on, you know, what year they are in their residency um, or how long ago they started practicing, we have a, basically a future income program. And the way that it works is you have to put down a larger down payment. So um, a normal, you know, permanent resident or Canadian can buy their first home with as little as 5% down. You know, we talk about that all the time, Todd, right? Mm -hmm. um, with this program, it's a minimum of 10% down. Obviously, it's a little bit more risky. You know, if you're in your residency, like maybe things will go sideways and you won't uh, be able to practice. I don't know. Right. Um, but it's a minimum of 10% down. 5% needs to be from your own resources mm -hmm. uh, or gifted. And the other 5%, believe it or not, can come off your professional line of credit, which is an unsecured line. So it's a really great program. Uh, you can take 5% right off your line of credit. And a lot of new doctors are, you know, given, um, you know, a $100,000 line, a $250,000 line, a $500,000 line, kind of when they're starting med school and kind of going through What would through the interest their, rate be? Usually it's at prime. Yeah. So it's not a bad rate. Obviously, it may be more than what you can get on a mortgage, um, but it's not a bad rate for really an unsecured line of credit. 
And really, you can get into your first home with as little as 5% from your own resources or from a gift. Now, of course, taking the other 10% off the line of credit, uh, that's going to cost you some interest. Yes. But we're pretty sure you can probably pay it back at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you certainly can do 20% down. And if you do the 20% down, um, to avoid the high ratio mortgage insurance, they'll allow five or 10% off uh, would need to be your own um, money. And then the other 10 could come off the um, revolving professional line. So it's a great program. And I think it's a great program because we have a med school here in Halifax. We touched on it a little bit before. And, you know, our current government says that they're going to fix healthcare. I don't know if it's fixable, Todd, but, you know, the power to them. Um, and healthcare is certainly a hot ticket item. And in a lot of rural areas across uh, in Nova Scotia and really across Canada, there's a shortage of physicians that really want to practice in rural areas. It takes a special person. My sister-in-law is a doctor. You know, I, I'll say that. And um, she's practicing in more rural Ontario. She's from Ontario and went to med school in Ontario. So, um, you know, they had some great programs to retain and really get new doctors to work in more rural areas. And I suspect our government is going to do the same. And, you know, I think it's really important that we're here to help new physicians because obviously they probably have a lot of debt. Yeah. They've been in school for many, many years and they probably haven't made a lot of money. But we're here to work with them to get them into their first home. And that first home is so important. It's so important because they're going to put, you know, ties down in the community, build roots. And usually, and the stats are that if someone owns a home in the community, they're more likely to stay within the community and really be, you know, a great member and community member of that community. So, um, you know, I think it's important. I think it's important for um, us, especially where we do have a more aging population. I think it's something important to really attract, maintain, and, you know, um, you know, build relationships with new physicians, you know, across our province. And we're really happy to be able to help. So when do you when do they qualify for it when they get their first job? Like, how's it? How's, what are the qualifications for? So they can actually get um, they can get a mortgage when they're in the residency. So they don't even have to have you know graduated the program. They can get um, you know a mortgage in the end of their residency, um, or they could have recently started maybe their first job. A lot of doctors are self employed, so they don't necessarily get a salary or you know deductions at source. The way that it works is that we basically confirm how they much they make now. And, you know, maybe that's very low. Like I've seen, you know, some residents and they're making, um, you know, 40, 50, 60, $70,000 a year. So, I mean, it's not like it's no money, but they have a lot of debt and a lot of education, um, you know, to, to go through. And kind of the rule of thumb is they need to kind of be in the, their last 24 months of the residency or their fellowship. Or they need to have started practicing within the last 24 months. So it's really kind of like a four-year kind of window mm-hmm. where this program will work. Right. So once they, so they can be, they don't look at obviously the 40 or 50 or $60,000 they're making then. You talked about this We projected. still have to verify it, but there, right. there's a table. Yeah. So for example, we are able to use um, uh, qualification income for medical residents in their first or second year, um, like 185,000. So obviously that's a lot more than they're making today. 
Um, and medical students that are in their third year, we can use 225,000. And depending on what their specialty is, if it's family med medicine, then it's 225. But uh, depending on what their specialty is, it's sometimes 300,000, it's 360,000, and you know, it's 380,000. Um, you know, there's a number that we can use regardless of how much their money they're making kind of as they first start out as, you know, being a practicing doctor or if they're in the residency. So, you know, I think that it's a really, it's a, it's a great program. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've actually done more and more lately. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, we get referred by bank branches because of the complexity. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the great reasons is, you know, we can do a lot of things over the phone and over the internet and, you know, maybe we've more flexible hours. And as we know, these residents and these new docs are busy. Yeah. Chances are they're working, right? Yeah. And we're able to accommodate that. And I think that's great. Um, but we're also able to understand the complexities of really what they're going through and their debt load. Not everyone gets that. No. And I think I kind of have a little bit of a unique physician, be, uh, you know, a position really, because my uh, sister-in-law is a physician. So I really, I get the struggles. She has four kids. And three of those kids she had basically during her education. So she had them basically while she was going through med school and while she was going as a resident and as a new doctor, she was having kids. And um, it's not easy. No. And you know what? I think it takes a really special person that wants to practice medicine. And, you know, when we're talking about income at two twenty-five dollars or $300,000, you know, that's basically what we're, what we're using. I know doctors that make more than that, and I know doctors that make less than that. But that's kind of the numbers of the bank, and the insurers are willing to basically take a risk on. And it's because frontline workers, like doctors, are really so needed, and I think really at such a high demand, at least here in our community. Mm -hmm. um, having the programs in place, I think, hopefully will help you know attract and retain um, you know, some of these individuals. Are there any safeguards in place for the lender in case, obviously, people, doctors, mm -hmm. these are projected earnings, but yeah. people get hurt, they leave the business, there's burnout, whatever it might be. Yeah. So do they have any of these insurance well, it, vehicles in place? If they don't put down 20%, they would still have that high ratio insurance. So right. that high ratio insurance CMHC would, would cover their budget. Basically, yeah. yeah. And it's not CMHC that offers this program. It's the other private insurers that offer it. Which is what again? Uh, Genworth and, Genworth. and uh, or it's not Genworth anymore. It's Sajan right. and uh, Canada Guarantee. So they're offering this program um, because they believe in the importance of running this type of program. We believe in it. Yeah. And it actually comes at a higher cost to the borrower. It's a higher insurance premium. So normally when a when a buyer buys a home and they put down 10%, Todd, yeah. their insurance cost is 3.1%. In this scenario, if they borrow that, you know, half of the down payment off their line of credit, the insurance cost goes up to 4.1%. So that's a sunk cost that that individual is not getting back because mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit of a higher risk. You yeah. identified it. Exactly. It is risky. It is riskier, yes. Probably they have a great earning potential. Probably it's going to be okay. Probably, but who knows? But it's kind of like mortgage lending. There's a lot of probabilities. Yeah. It's a snapshot in time. Yeah. Right now they're not making money, but we think they're going to. And yes, medical doctors do have a good income earning potential. And 
Uh, I think that, you know, it's important to get uh, any first time home buyer into a home. What about having their own insurance, like uh, outside of that, like a disability that you would sell at? at uh... Yeah, I think it's important. Like we offer creditor insurance. You know, our main provider is through Manulife. Yes. And we provide coverage uh, for life and disability through Manulife. Um, and through one of the big five that we use, we also uh, are able to offer their creditor but here's, insurance. But here's my question. Mm -hmm. A lot of that insurance, you have to, you have to validate the income. And if doctors have not yet made that income, how do you put somebody you, in a disability to pay them seven thousand mm -hmm. dollars a month when they've never made seven thousand dollars? Usually, a month? it's um, creditor it's a question, insurance. Though, right? Yeah, it's a really yeah. good question. It's creditor insurance. So basically, it's not necessarily income replacement, Todd. It's more to cover the payment on the debt. Right. Right. I see. And do I think creditor insurance is the be all and end all? Don't get me wrong. I'm not an insurance person. I think in some cases, creditor insurance is more of a Band-Aid type solution. It's good to have some coverage going out the door. I know people that walk out the door and they get hit by a car. It's less than ideal. Usually when I get calls from consumers that are wondering if they have insurance, it's usually calling to see if they have disability. Usually they had an accident, they had an illness where they're not able to work, became disabled for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the insurers will have coverage that... Um, her disability is usually 24 months, Todd. Yes. Um, a handful of times, and I'll say maybe a couple of times a year, we do have clients pass away. We've done almost 4,000 transactions. We have a lot of clients. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. It's reality. And I think with COVID, the one thing that we need to think about as well, we went through a lot of scary times that we thought there could be mass casualties. There's still mass casualties in lots of areas of Canada certainly in the U.S. and across the globe, we ended up being pretty okay here. But I think a lot of people have looked in the mirror and also maybe um, identified their financial obligations. And I think the rule of thumb is for insurance, it's eight times your annual income. And a lot of people are like, I have insurance at work. That's probably one time your yeah, income. Exactly. That's not even, even going to put you basically in the ground. Exactly. So we can certainly talk about that a little bit more. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that and as well as get a market update and mortgage rates and some other things. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino here on News 95.7. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on News 95.7. What's this music you're playing? It's Cheap Thrills by Sia, and it may not be Friday night, but we're certainly, uh, we have the radio on at least uh, this weekend. Well, let's hope so. And uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, hopefully lots of great information and um, Not hopefully it is lots of great information. I think it's I think it's great information yeah. and you know what we're really proud of what we do here on News 95.7 with Mortgage 101 and I hope uh, listeners are really excited about it as well and if you missed even the first part of our show you can check it out on the website it's on the News 957.com uh, website and you can listen to the entire show uh, and our, our, actually the entire season's on there so you can certainly stream and listen to all kinds of great content. All right, I want to drill down more into uh, insurance. We talked about this. And I think it's it's extremely important 
because people need to understand, though, that there's a difference between fully underwritten insurance mm-hmm. and insurance that you provide. And, uh, like credit or insurance. Right, right. Yeah. Not to disparage credit or insurance. But do you want to explain to people what the difference is when it comes to fully underwritten insurance that you would get through a licensed insurance provider? Which I am not. Which you are not, right. Uh, a fully underwritten insurance is something that you would have like a term policy or a whole life policy or a universal life policy. And all of those type of policies are underwritten up front. That means that there could be a full medical, maybe there's a credit check, maybe it's financial records. They can really dig into uh, a lot of things as well as to an interview um, with the insured. So it's basically uh, insurance to make sure the insurance company is willing to take a risk on you as an individual. Uh, they may need a urine test and quite a lot likely blood, blood yeah. a, a whole paramedic, paramedical. Um, and that insurance is usually for a finite amount of time. And typically that insurance would pay your state or pay your beneficiary. Yeah. Um, the difference with credit or insurance, they underwrite it basically at the time of claim. So you answer some pre-qualification uh, questions and then the insurance company is going to decide if they're going to give you insurance or not. And hopefully you answer those insurance questions correctly. Yeah. But all these, all the underwriting is done at the time of claim. So, um, you know, if it was an accident, that's pretty easy. Um, but if you died of maybe natural causes, um, then you're, you know, the doctor would have to fill out some forms and then the underwriting would happen after the time of claim. And the way that credit insurance works, it's a declining balance insurance. So if you do have a loss of life, it pays off basically how much you owe at that time. Uh, you know, if you if your mortgage started out being four hundred thousand at the time of claim, it's three hundred thousand. Three hundred thousand will get paid out, and the proceeds of the payout goes to the mortgage lender. It doesn't go to the estate. Right. So that's really the difference. But if the, the estate obviously will be the beneficiary of the of the asset. Of the asset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and normally with creditor insurance, they're really good about it. And I think sometimes credit insurance gets a bit of a bad rap, but you know, from the insurers that we deal with, primarily Manulife, obviously that's one of the biggest insurance companies in country in the country, and yeah. John Hancock is huge. Um, they have a very good claim um, history. Credit insurance is not for everyone, Todd. I'm not an insurance person; I don't claim to be, um, but I know a little bit of the nuts and bolts. Some insurance is better than not having any insurance at all. That I do know. Yeah, but if it's not going to pay, then what's the point, right? I I, mean, it, it does pay. No, but there are times when pre-existing conditions come into of play. Of course. Okay. And you know what? I think that um, getting a whole life or a term policy is, in many cases, the better right. way to go. Although I'm not an insurance person. But I do think a lot of people have very good intentions about getting a whole life or a term policy. And those good intentions don't necessarily turn into action. A lot happens around, you know, the time that you're buying a home. And, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, as you know. And the mortgage lending is obviously a big piece of it. It's not everything. It's certainly a big piece. And um, I think credit insurance is really still very important. Many Canadians are underinsured. Mm -hmm. But I like to use credit insurance myself as kind of a stopgap. It's basically a bridge to then go get some financial advice from, you know, a licensed insurance person and then make the right decision. Can you cancel it or is it all, is it at time of purchase? No, there's no penalty to cancel. Right. And one of the big reasons borrowers want 
credit or insurance, even if they're going to go get a whole life or a term policy, is accidental. Yes. Accidents happen. And usually young people are not dying from a freak heart attack, Todd. Exactly. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, that's right. But young people do die of car accidents, right? Yeah. yeah. They probably also die of pandemics, although we've been pretty lucky here. Um, it's certainly been a scare for a lot of people. And I think many of our listeners should really consider their insurance uh, asset coverage. I kind of threw out the number of eight times the income is how much insurance you should have. That's to replace your income. You also need to consider your debt. Um, and I think any borrower that tells me to be like, oh, I have insurance at work. That's a cop out. Yeah. Insurance at work, I'm going to throw it out there. It's a joke. Oftentimes, it's one times your, your annual income. And sometimes you can buy more coverage. So don't get me wrong, Todd. I'm not saying it's absolute garbage. But what I'm saying is people think they have enough coverage. And I would say nine times out of 10, Canadians are underinsured. Talk to a licensed insurance provider. Get the advice. But it's a very long process, as I'm sure you're aware. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time to get that underwriting done. And that's why we have conversations with every client about credit or insurance, even if it's a temporary coverage until you get a longer term policy in place. It's a good place to start. It's important, though, for the pe for people to be honest, right? If, somebody, if, if you a think diabetic, that it may be a yes, yes it's always a yes. a yes. Or if you don't know the answer to the question, it's a yes. Right, because you just because you have that policy because you think, oh, I slipped oh, one no, in no, there. Oh, no, 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 it's, it's so not gonna, easy. If it's not going to pay, then what, Then it's pointless. It, we always say, if it's gray, say yes. Then the actual professionals will call you and find out what's going on, and then they'll make the assessment, and then it will go to underwriting. It's always better to say yes, and that's what we believe. I get paid on the insurance, mm -hmm. but it's pennies compared to mortgage lending. Mortgage lending is our core business, yeah. but I believe insurance is important. And I'm going to tell you a story. In 2021, I had a client die very young in an accident. His widow emailed me on a Sunday night. I remember I was sitting at my condo and I got an email from her. I talked to them, you know, a few months prior they were you know chatting about maybe doing a refinance to do some more renovations and whatever i'm like okay yeah cool uh let me know when you're ready and she had emailed me and told me that there had been an accident and this was i think it was like on the friday or something like that it was a couple days prior maybe it was even the day of the accident and she's like i just can't sleep until i know that we have coverage in place mm -hmm. and they had taken the coverage Thank goodness. Yeah. And we're talking like a mortgage of three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. Like this wasn't just like a little tiny, you know, drop in the hat. This was a pretty significant amount of debt. Mm -hmm. And I went right back to her and I said, Yes, you do have coverage. You ha you took the the coverage, and I'm going to confirm that you still have the coverage in place. Because just like what you said, Todd, people sometimes take the coverage when we do the mortgage. But then they decide for one reason or another, maybe they get other insurance in place or maybe it's a financial challenge and they actually cancel the insurance. I wanted to know for her that that coverage was still bound. And um, we were actually able to connect her with the insurance company 
to get the ball rolling, got the forms going. And, you know, it was a tough, it was definitely a tough time, but I'm glad that we were there to help. Okay, how do people, uh, if they want to know more about any of the things that we've talked about over the last hour, how do people get a hold of you? I think the first place to check us out is on, online. Check us out at teamclinton.ca slash radio. Lots of great information on the website, over 400 blog posts. And um, for our listeners here on News 95.7, we're actually running a promo. We're giving away $2,500, and uh, I just want to know how you're going to spend it. So if you surf onto our website, you can actually click right into the promo page and uh, feel free to enter and best of luck. And if you have any questions, feel free to give us a shout, send me a message, send Todd a message. We'd love to have your input on the show. And uh, if you have any questions, we'd love to chat about it uh, on our upcoming shows. Clinton, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. And we'll do it again next month. Thanks for having me, Todd. You got it. It's Clinton Wilkins. It's Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. Here on News 95.7. Thanks for listening.